Well, it is my privilege to be with you. My name is Alfred Turley. I'm our discipleship pastor at Rockbridge at all of our campuses. And uh, we're in our season series. Um, Matt has the flu. Yeah. Um, so here I am, the pinch hitter, I guess, whatever. But it, I, I'm, it's a privilege for me to be with you. I, I want to just, let, let's just make a point of this, and I appreciate that we've got all of our campuses watching. Um, pastors, you're the leaders of your church, the people that you kind of are counting on to pray for you and lead you and, and get in God's Word and just tell you what they're seeing, you know they're human. And, um, you know, I'm excited because we are in a season of prayer. Our staff have been praying. We've been fasting together and doing a lot of stuff. And Matt recently started a multi-campus prayer team. And that team met a week or so ago. And that was an awesome thing. And, but I just want to encourage you because he, he will never really come up to you and say, Hey, I really need you to pray for me. I just would encourage you to keep Matt, his family, his wife Beth, all of them, and our staff, but especially Matt, keep Matt in your prayers. So I want us, before we get started right now, let's just bow our heads and let's pray for Matt. Father, we just come to you right now and I am so grateful for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. And Lord, um, I just thank you for Matt. I thank you for how he has laid his life down over and over and over for the cause of Jesus Christ. So many lives affected by him and Beth coming back to Dalton just to, to begin Rockbridge just in a complete act of faith. And Lord, we just stand right now grateful for them, grateful for the legacy, grateful for that example set for every one of us. And Lord God, I just thank you and I pray right now with everyone in agreement, we pray for healing and restoration for Matt. And Lord, I know that there are many others with the flu, with sickness, with things going on. And as we pray for Matt and agree with him, agree with, for healing for him right now, Lord, and for your touch and your protection over him and his family and his, his wife and children, Lord, we also pray for those others in our lives and our hearts that are sick, that are hurting. And Lord God, we pray for them. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. Father, I am so convinced that you want to do more than we believe you want to do. And Lord, so we ask with greater boldness and we ask for more miraculous healings. We ask for more restorations. We thank you. You use doctors, you use medicine, you use whatever you want, Lord. But we ask for healing and restoration. And we ask for marriages to be healed, for families to be restored, and for the lost to come to you. Thank you, Lord. You are the God who does more than we could ever ask or imagine. So that we come to you in joy and in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. And so, as we continue in, um, as we continue in the season series, um, I want to talk, I'm going to kind of take us, maybe it's a detour, but it is a season. It's probably a little bit different. Because as, as, I, as I've been thinking about seasons, God's actually had me in a season that I think maybe applies to a lot of people. And... Um, a friend, one of our staff members, told me a few years ago about how she liked to pray around January and just ask God for kind of a word that themed out the year. And so she, she started doing this. I was like, well, that's really cool. And I've learned when you pray and you ask God and you spend time seeking, you, you know, eventually you're going to land on something. He knows how to direct our hearts. He knows how to communicate to us. He is a communicating God. So 
she, she would always come back with a word or something. And I started doing this and I've had, you know, one, one year was joy, one year was faith, different things like that. Well, this year I was praying, and, uh, or, or it was back in December, I was praying. And I, a, very, a word I did not expect came to mind. And so I kept praying and, and sure enough, I felt like it was the Lord confirming that the word for me for this year was intimacy. And I mean with Jesus. And uh, closeness. And I, I think for all of us, especially for us men, that word is like, oh, you know, but it's closeness. A closeness with God. A deeper closeness with Jesus. That He knows us. That we know Him. That it's just deeper. You know, and when I'm closer to my wife, I know more about what's going on in her heart. I know more about what's going on in her mind. And she knows more about what's going on in my life. We know each other more. And most, it's funny how many marriages, this simple missing link is just closeness. That the closeness wanes. And so often it can be as simple as sitting on the couch for 30 minutes at night, kind of having a date night right there on the couch with the TV off. Let's just talk. How was your day? And my wife and I have learned to just be intentionally close. But I know for me, God's been calling me to a season of closeness. So I want to ask you this. As we look at this season and we talk about this. Because Matt charged us with a question last week when we were talking about the story of Job. He said, is God enough? Is God enough? That that was kind of the theme of what was going on with Job. The test that Satan was throwing is that God's not really enough. Job doesn't really love you because you're who you are and because you're great. He loves you because of all the stuff and all the blessings. But as we look at a season of closeness, how can we grow closer to God so that He is really enough? Now, I've been walking with Christ a long time. And I can tell you that there are times it's hard. There are times it's boring. There are times I feel dry. There are times I'm like, I do not want to spend time with God. I don't want to open the Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do those things. It does not feel interesting or compelling. There are times that happens to me too. I know that happens. But can we get where those seasons go more and more away and our, our love for God, our closeness to with Jesus is more vibrant and it doesn't wane and it fuels us. Can we get to that place? I would say yes. So I want to go to a, a very famous discourse that Jesus talks about and it's in one of the four Gospels, the book of Matthew. It's, and, um, it's actually in Luke too, but in Matthew chapter 6, we'll be in that, that passage and we'll put it on the screen, or you can open your, uh, you know, your smartphone or your Bible, whatever. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus actually is talking to the crowds about prayer. And he's confronting some bad practices about prayer. But then he brings in a very famous passage about prayer that I want to talk about. Because as I was praying about this message all of a sudden, something just kind of hit me that I think we can bring out here. So I want to go into Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 13. So we'll start right here in 5 through 8. Matthew, or, so Jesus is confronting the crowds, the religious leaders, the people. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you... They have, they have their reward. It was to be seen by people. 
And then he says this, But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So we see an alternative reward. And then he said this, But when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And that's more like pagans, unbelievers. And you know, we've, we've seen people who pray and they play, pray lots of words and it's like magic words or something like that. And they think they're going to be heard because they're many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Now see, this is really key here. And I think Jesus is confronting something that we need to see. And it's part of what robs us of God being enough. So Jesus rejects two things. Jesus rejects two rewards. The first one is the reward of esteem and honor from people. And he's rejecting that. That the hypocrites, they're doing this to actually be seen. And don't do that. And in fact, if you'll do the opposite, you'll go in there, you'll receive a reward from your heavenly Father. And then the second rejection is, is it the reward of answered prayers due to performance? And that there's people who believe they're going to be rewarded because they prayed for like six hours. And just because they said things over and over and over. And they said the magic words or they said the right phrases or they read something out of a book. And they said it and they think that's going to get them the answered prayers. And Jesus is rejecting both of those. But see, Jesus is talking about religious activities that come with their own rewards. And we, we're, we, just, we do this so much. We go to church because we think there's going to be a reward. Or we do this because there's going to be a reward. So many of our motives are wrong. But Jesus is talking about something different. He's pointing to something different. He's saying, your heavenly Father in secret will reward you. There's something else beside that. Now I want to tell you this. My season has been where I am sick and tired of caring what people think about me. Now I don't mean in a negative way. I don't mean that I just, you know, I don't... Give a flip. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying I don't want, I no longer want to be held hostage by anyone else's view. When I've got a heavenly father and he's the only opinion I really should care about. And I long to be free from what people think and only to, know, to care about what he thinks. And I long to only look to what he says about me, about my identity in him and, and his love for me instead of seeing circumstances and letting, letting circumstances lie to me and tell me I've failed or I've screwed up or I'm not good enough or I'm just, nor, I'm just average or whatever else. I am tired of that, those things robbing me of the joy and the peace and the closeness that I believe Jesus wants for me. And I realize now we don't have to live that way. We don't. And that's what Jesus is actually talking about here. And I promise, I am so ready for, to live a life where I am not shaken by the fact that I didn't get the promotion. The A on the test. That I, did, that I got dumped by the girl. I've married, been married for 11 years. So don't worry. But, you know, the rejection, the whatever. Don't you long for that freedom? Don't you long for that day when you, you don't go home wrecked 
for weeks because you didn't make the team, you didn't make the grade, you didn't get the girl, you didn't get the guy, you didn't get this, the, the, the bank account overdrew, where it just, you're not wrecked. I long for that freedom. And you know what? I can tell you this as a Christian, as a Christ follower, I'm getting more and more of it each day, each year. And this is the year where I feel like in the last six months of last year, God has opened my eyes more and more to this than ever before. And I believe that there are some key principles to this closeness with God, this intimacy with God, the relationship, the friendship with God that we can all look at that can help us all move more into this freedom. So I want to talk about that. So we're actually... Now going into a very, very famous passage of Scripture called the Lord's Prayer. Now the Lord's Prayer is talked about in Matthew chapter 6, again one of the Gospels. And it's also talked about, talked about in Luke chapter 11. So Jesus actually told this to the crowds, but he also told it separately to his disciples. Now what's interesting in the Luke chapter 11 section, the story goes is that Jesus had just finished praying and his disciples said to him as he finished praying, they obviously were in private somewhere, Lord, teach us to pray the way John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. So actually, I think they're, they're really, they're kind of like, well, hey, John taught us. How about you teaching us? Teach us how to pray, Lord. But I think there's something else, and I'm, I'm literally going to speculate. So you, this is not scripture. I'm just going to speculate. I think they saw in Jesus' prayer life and in his closeness with God Something they wanted. And that's why they said this. Now I think, I, I think we can all say they wanted what Jesus had with the Father. They wanted that. They were envious of that. They said, we want what you've got. I know that. But in this specific case, I think they saw him and said, you've got you've to walk a closeness with him in prayer that we want. Teach us to pray. So Jesus, in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, talks or, or gives out the Lord's Prayer. So let's go to that. And it starts in verse 9 in Matthew 6. So the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We could all quote this, could we not? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right. And then there's extra that we sometimes add in our liturgies. You know, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Whatever. Something like that. So there's more. But a lot of us, if you've grown up in church world, you can quote this, a lot of this blindfolded, and there's different versions and different translations. But a lot of us heard, have heard this. But I want to tell you something. I, I really think, and, and, and I, we're going to do something a little different, okay? I'm going to give you an acronym, a four-letter acronym that, that I believe maybe it'll just help you because I believe in this, and we're not going to go in exact order, but we're going to take the main points, the main verses in this Lord's Prayer, and I want to pull out some principles that I believe not only are principles of prayer, because if we just think prayer, we miss the point. It's principles of closeness. It's principles of intimacy. 
It's principles that if you want to experience more of the incredible love of Jesus Christ, that He died for you to receive... And so many of us, if you don't know Jesus yet, you do not understand that He loves you so incredibly. And the greatest thing you can experience is the love of God. He loves you and His love never fails. It never judges. It never comes against you. It always walks alongside you. It always picks you up. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He died. He took our sins. And now we can live with Him living inside of us, with Him alongside of us, carrying along, forgiven and redeeming us and taking us into an eternal reality with with God. That's what he paid for. And he wants you to have it. But it's the other stuff. It's when we chase the other gods, when we chase people pleasing and we chase the success and we chase these other things, that's when we get robbed of what Jesus wants for us. So let's go into these, I want to go into these principles. Now, and honestly, it's not going to go in complete order, so don't get upset about that. But we're going to, we're going to go into this right now. And I, I, and I just want you to get some principles and a cool, you know, have a cool acronym when this is over, which I always think is nice because I have a terrible memory. So if I have a good acronym, I can remember stuff. Okay? So let's go to the first one. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Okay? Father, looking at God in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. Looking at who you are. We want you glorified. We want to see who you are. We want to look at you. The first one here is praise. Start with gratitude for who God is. Worship Him. Do you know why we come and we do this and why we sing songs each week and we come together? Because each of us, we need to get a reality of how incredible God is as a Father, as a Savior, as a King and the Holy Spirit. That we get all that from Him. He is amazing. Three in one. It's, it blows our minds. We cannot understand it. But God has given us Himself and He loves us and we need to worship Him. And here's the number one thing I will tell you. And, and one of our pastors was telling us, he gave us a book. Um, it's A.W. To- a. Tozer, great author. Um, it's The Holiness of God. And just when we look at God and His incredible nature and His holiness, that He's vast and massive. Do you realize? I mean, He just spoke the stars, spoke the galaxies, spoke us. And that He loves us. And that there's so much of Him that He has 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to give you all the time and attention you could ever imagine. That's how big He is. He loves us. He's incredible. And God's love was forever settled on the cross. Are we looking at Him and being fascinated with Him? And are we thanking Him? And I will tell you this. I'm, I've learned this as a discipline. One of the single biggest things I can do is just learn to be thankful. A couple of weeks ago, I was, and, and my wife and I have learned, this is just a discipline. We have to literally stop what we're saying. Stop saying negative things. We have to start saying, I'm, 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 I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my car. I'm thankful. And sometimes it feels like, you know, I'm just giving myself a little pep talk. But I'm telling you, when we begin to say grateful things, things we're grateful for, and say we're thankful it begins to change our reality and change our mindset. And here's this. I, am I learning to be fascinated with God? Can I, let me, I, I'm amazed. Um, let, me, let me give you a little illustration. 
So I, I have a used car. It's old. I like my used car. So I haven't looked at a lot of new cars, but occasionally I've been. And I remember going to look at like a, I don't know, I don't know where I went. I don't even remember. But I, going up to a, a new car lot and you go up and you look at the car and you know there's like a bunch of them. And you're looking at them and you like the blue one or the red one or whatever. But then you actually go up to it and you go up to the sticker. All right? And then you actually, so you're looking at it, but then you, now the sticker, you're actually, re, you're looking at it big time. All right, I'm looking through here and I was like, oh my gosh, it's got that engine. You know, it's got like 9,000 horsepower. Yeah, okay. Or you know, this one, it's got, oh my gosh, it's got this sound system or it's got the four-wheel drive or whatever and oh my gosh it'll tow that much you know and you start looking at the details and you're like man this is awesome so often we don't open our bibles and read how amazing and fascinating and glorious Jesus and God is do you realize Jesus tells us that God, I am the exact represent, or the Word of God tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father as far as what the Father's nature and character is. Do you realize so often we have issues with understanding how God is and understanding what He's like when the Bible tells us, look at Jesus. And then project that to God because that's how God is. That's how Jesus is God walking around. And if Jesus wouldn't do it, God wouldn't do it. And that is, that's just a part of the Word of God. That, are we learning to be fascinated with Him? I'm telling you this, we are so fascinated. We will spend hours reading news articles and reading stuff on the internet and scrolling through Facebook. I do this and usually after about 10 minutes I'm going, this is completely wasted, lost time down the toilet of my life. That I've sat here and spent 10 or 15 minutes scrolling through this. That's no offense to anybody's posts, okay? <laughs> not at all. That's not what I mean. I'm just sitting there going, afterwards, I'm like, I, this just, you know, occasionally I'll see, them, oh, I'm so happy for them. I'm excited for that. But a lot of times I'm just like, this just, I just flushed my life down the toilet for 10 minutes. You know, and I'm wondering though, but why do we do that? When we could, we could be fascinated with God, we can look at Him, we can see who He is and be fascinated with Him. P, praise. Let that make you think about. I need to be thinking about God, thinking about His goodness, focused on who He is, and be thankful for it. The power of praise and gratitude is it reframes our future based on God's past faithfulness. You know, I'm going to be honest, man. We, we have so much stuff in our lives. And we will look at the future and we look with fear. And we look with all the wrong attitudes. And we should be going, you know what, God? You are faithful and you have been faithful. You will be faithful with me in this. Amen. And let that affect our future. He's never failed me. He'll let me go through stuff I didn't want to go through. But he gets me through. And on the other side, I'm going, okay, I get it. He never fails. Let praise and gratitude reframe your future based on His faithfulness and based on His word, based on His truth. Our greatest enemy is fear. It really is. Am I grumbling and complaining? 
I, I, I want to I encourage you. This is something my wife and I discovered a few, just even a few months, maybe a few weeks ago, really felt like the Lord told us, banish all grumbling and complaining from your speech. Just stop it. That was not easy. <laughs> that is not easy. But I'm telling you something. As we've begun to do this and put the power of praise, the power of looking at God and His honor and His glory, looking at Him and being grateful and thankful and worshipful and trying to be fascinated with Him and project His faithfulness onto our future, it's changing things. It's changing me. It's changing me. So let's praise Him. Let's go to the next one. And actually, we're going to go to verses 12 and 13. So we're not in exact order on the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is, this is a big one. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of interesting stuff here by saying, And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But this is all about sin. This really is. This is all about sin. This is all about things we've done. Things people have done to us. And how close are we getting to sin and rebellion in our lives. And sin, sin is rebellion. I mean, obviously temptation is that we're tempted to go against what God commands. So you got to understand something. If I love God, I'm going to make Him... I, I, we say we're going to make Jesus Lord. Alright? Now, if I'm going to make Him Lord, but I don't do what He says, He does not have Lordship over my life. Then I'm a hypocrite and I'm a liar. Alright? So if I want that, I have to follow Him and obey Him. And that's why this next one is repent. Turn. And I know that's kind of an old school churchy term, but I think most everybody knows what it is. Repent. Turn. Take sin seriously. Please take sin seriously. Please understand this, that when we look, when we sin against God, when we sin, it's rebellion against God. When we tell Jesus, you are my Lord, but yet, no, I'm not really going to do what you say. I'm not going to obey you. Man, it hurts Him. That is the thing here. Sin is very personal. Our sin hurts God. Yes, we can hurt God. Can I prove that? Yes, I can. Genesis 6.6 6. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The sin of creation in the creation story in the beginning as man began to expand and the wickedness increased, God was literally grieved. If I'm grieved, I'm hurt. We can cause God not physical pain but emotional pain. We hurt him because he loves us. Anyone that I love, I put myself at risk to let them hurt me. That's the nature of love. That I give myself facing the possibility of rejection. And God is the same way. That's the love He has given us. We can reject His love. Jesus is a free gift. Every single one of you. If you don't know Jesus, there is a free gift of God's love on the table for you as long as you live. When you die, the, cho the choice is over. And when you don't accept it, you are rejecting God's incredible lavish love for you. And the plan that He has for you that has joy and peace and all that in it. And we would love to help you cross that line. But it does mean that we have to choose to follow Him and obey Him. 
Sin is a big deal. It hurts God and we have to take it seriously. We have to take it so seriously that we're even praying, God, don't even let me near it. You see, it's not, he's not saying that God would lead us into temptation. He's not saying that. He's just recognizing, who, Jesus says he's praying this, he's saying, part of your own prayer life should be, God, keep me far from it. Keep me far away from anything that would hurt your feelings. You know, it's funny, there's, a, there's, there's people in marriages and you know, you find out that something hurts your wife's feelings or hurts your spouse's feelings. And I know that there's marriages, and, and, I, and I don't agree with this, but there's times like, yeah, it hurts your feelings, but every once in a while I do it anyway, just a reminder that I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. You know? And, uh, and they're, well, I just do that anyway. She just needs to get over it. You know, she's sensitive, or he's sensitive, or he's... he's a, and the love that we are seeing with God and with Jesus, Jesus is saying, if I know that this hurts the person I love, my love should respond of... If that hurts you, then I want to stay 10 yards away from it. Keep me away from it, God. If that hurts you, and that's going to hurt me too, and sin hurts us too, we need to recognize that. Keep me 10 yards away from it, God. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. But keep us from temptation. Repent. Take sin seriously. And then deal with unforgiveness. We have to recognize this. Unforgiveness is a big thing. We, we cannot hold things against other people. Alright? Hard things happen and people hurt us. And some people have gone through devastating tragedies, devastating abuses. And I can't imagine I have not gone through that, that type of stuff. I can't imagine. But I can tell you this. Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison hoping it will kill or hurt the other person. And that's stupid. That, I mean, that, just that didn't work, does it? And those of you who are holding on to unforgiveness, basically what we hold on to is we hold on to this thing of saying, God, I'm holding on to this because somebody needs to take, hold them accountable for this. And I'm not entirely certain you will. But he promises he will. One day, there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day. And I promise you everything right or wrong that's not under the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything that's not been dealt with. There will be judgment. The Bible's very clear about that. And God says, leave room for my judgment. I know how to do this right. So let go of things. Let go of the unforgiveness. We have to. And God's grace cannot be released into that situation until you have let it go. That is why Jesus is saying, forgive us as we forgive. And he doesn't give us the option. He's saying, if I'm praying here expecting the grace of God, I must release these things. It is a, it is a requirement for the grace of God moving in these circumstances for me to release it. Deal with unforgiveness. So let's repent. Let's take sin seriously. Let's go to verse 11 now. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And this is A, ask. Ask for all your needs. You know, God loves us. And what I've learned through the years is 
I really can't do very much apart from Him. And we think we're really good. We think we're really talented. We think we're really strong. And then as the time goes on, we begin to learn that we're not. And we begin to learn that we can fail. And we begin to learn that we get older and our knees go out and our backs go out and things like that. And then what we used to could do in the past, we can't do anymore. There's lots of things that come along and remind us that we're not all we think we were. Or think we are. But with God, all things are possible. And he wants to partner with us. And God is asking for radical dependence on him. He's asking for us to be united in him, prayerfully in him, walking in him in closeness and intimacy again through what Jesus did. And in that closeness, he's like, ask for whatever you need. Ask all you need. And I will tell you this. I've discovered this and I will stand by this statement right here. The single greatest act that proves If we believe in God and understand who He is, is asking. Praying. Talking to God and having communication with Him on our needs. And I can tell you, if I'm I'm not trying to... I guess I'm just trying to point the truth out here. If you, if, you, if you think you have a relationship with God, but you do not bring your needs to Him... Asking God, hey, I, I need you here. I need you there. God, I'm asking for you to move in this. I'm asking for you to move in that. If you're not bringing those things to him, then you do not understand his love. You do not believe he's really working on your side. And possibly you don't even believe he can. You don't believe him and you don't know who he is. And maybe you've got fire insurance, but that's about it. And I just want to tell you right now that he wants to walk with you in everything. He's huge. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, wants to be with you. Wants to be right along there in every need that you have. What kind of things can we ask for? Everything. If it's important to you, it's important to him. I'm telling you, I have children. I have three children and one on the way. I'm pumped. Um, we, have, we have three children. Actually, I have four. One's cooking. Um, I love my kids and I care about the crazy weird toys that they have if they care about them. If they want me to get on the floor and play with some little doll, I have two girl, older girls. If they want me to get on the floor and play with some little doll, well, daggummit, I'm going to play the little dolls. I'm going to do it with them. And my little boy's got this thing. I don't know what this is, but it like, it vomits out slime. Who thinks of these demented things? But he's got it. He's like squirting it out. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm trying not to throw up while I'm doing it. But I'm sitting there. I will play with them because I love them. And I want to, I want to enjoy life with them. And I want to do things with them. And I love seeing them smile and laugh and giggle. And I just think that's how God is. And that's how, that's how the scriptures describe him. And if we care about it, and as long as it's not harmful... He loves it too. And he wants to talk about it. He wants to interact with us. And God has done the funniest things in the past for me. Things that I, I thought I wanted. And he's like, what? And, and I get stuff. You know, it, I'll, somebody will give me something. I was like, wow, God, you, you knew I wanted that. Wow. He cares. He cares about your hearts. He cares about football. He cares about the Super Bowl. He cares about... Your knitting class, or your gymnastics thing, or your motorcycle club, or your fishing thing. He doesn't want it to come before him, but he cares.
Because he loves you. We can ask about anything. Let's go to the next one. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The last one here is why. Yield. Yield to God's will and trust him. Trust him. Trust him. His will is loving and perfect. And he's for your good. He loves you. Trust him. Surrender your expectations to him. If you don't get the job, trust that he's got a plan. That he always wants to take you into greater fruitfulness if you're following him. That's his word says that. God always desires that we excel for the glory of his name. Now you've got to understand greatness to God is not what greatness to man is. Because God doesn't care about how high you get up on the ladder. God cares about who you are as a person. And the difference you can make in people's lives. God cares about who you're becoming and the fruitfulness for his kingdom. But every single one of us can be great in the gods of eyes, the eyes of God if we serve. If we lay our lives down for him and live for him every day. Greatness is available to every one of us. That's what Jesus said. The greatest is the one who serves. Not the one who rises up and is the CEO or anything else. Nothing against that. Or the one who's rich or wealthy or successful or has all the Facebook followers or YouTube likes. I mean, that's not it at all. What matters to God is do we lay our lives down? Do we live for Him? Do we love? Do we trust Him? Yield. Yield to His will. And as we pray and we ask things, He doesn't always say yes. Many times He doesn't. Do my kids ask me for lots of things that I say, I say no to? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of times I'm saying, no, it's not time for that. No, you can't do that. No, it's time for bed. No, no. I say no a lot because I love them. That's okay. It's a relationship. It's closeness. He loves me. I trust him. Finally, believe. Get rid of fear. Cast all your cares on him. There's a verse here I want to read. Just 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on Him, because He cares about you. Give it all to Him. Focus on Him in praise. Take sin seriously. Ask and trust Him. Yield to His will. Will Surrender your will to Him. Cast your cares, your worries on Him. You see, here's what's going to happen as you do this. Because as we do this, we begin to trust in His love for us. Trust in who He made us to be, that we're His children. Trust in what Jesus did on the cross for us, that no matter what we mess up, He's got us and he's lo- He loves us and He's forgiven us. As we walk with Him, we find something, and it's something we, we can hold on to. We find real happiness. And it's a happiness, it's a joy that cannot be taken, that isn't dependent on the promotion, isn't dependent on the stock market, isn't dependent on the scoreboard, isn't dependent on the bank account, isn't dependent on whether or not the girl or guy dumps you. 
Because He never will. That's what we get in Him. In closeness. In intimacy. With our Heavenly Father. With our Savior Jesus Christ. I want to read you a quote that actually is a favorite of Matt's. And he, he read it so many times, I, I love it. Um, it's from a guy named George Mueller who was in England a hundred years ago or something. And George Mueller was just a man of great faith. And he actually had orphanages with hundreds and hundreds of orphans. And he never asked anyone for a dime. He decided that he was going to live a life of prayerful dependence on God. He would ask God for whatever he needed, but he wouldn't tell anyone what he was praying. Because he just wanted to prove to the world that God was a good God that would answer his prayers. And in the course of that time, George Mueller, they said he raised the equivalent of millions of dollars. Or he didn't raise it. God brought millions of dollars into the orphanages that he oversaw. George Mueller said this. According to my judgment, the most important point to be attended to is this. Above all things, see to it that your souls are happy in the Lord. Other things may press upon you. The, Lord work, the Lord's work may even have urgent claims upon your attention. But I deliberately repeat, it is of the supreme and paramount importance that you should seek above all things to have your souls truly happy in God Himself. And then he continued by saying this, The secret of all true effectual service is joy in God, having experimental acquaintance and fellowship with God Himself. Closeness and intimacy with God. One of our values, it's our primary value as a church, is that we're kingdom seekers. That means that we're called to bring the kingdom of God, the rulership and power of God into our world. But His kingdom only comes when our lives are under Him, when our lives are surrendered to Him, when our lives treasure Him when they see who He is and adore Him, and then we are transformed and look like Him, that's what bring the king, brings the kingdom of God into our world. And that happens when we P-R-A-Y. When we pray. Every Wednesday, or the next Wednesday, we will be having our first Wednesday service at every campus. Make sure you come and that you pray with us and you seek God with us together as a family. When we honor our Father and pursue His heart and seek after Him. But would you pray with me now as we close? Father, I come to you now grateful and thankful for who you are. Lord, I praise you and I acknowledge your glory, your holiness, and your incredible love for us. And Lord God, we come to you right now. We take sin seriously. We repent 
of how we have not focused on you, not loved you well, not sought after you, Lord. We turn from that now. And Lord, we ask for more of you. We ask to be drawn deeper into you. We ask to have more fascination of you and to be more like you. We ask for your grace so that we would be prayerfully dependent on you in all things. And then Lord, we yield. We trust you. We trust your will. We trust your grace. We trust your heart. We trust you in Jesus. And Lord, if there is anyone here that has not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ... I hope that they would get an understanding and a picture of the incredible love and glory that you were calling them to. And that they would surrender here and now to Jesus Christ. And to salvation given of your free love. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.